freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, be that city. Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for telling a friend that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. Jay West, Texas. Leeson rolling along for you. Power packed Friday. It's almost like a news dump Friday show as uh, we go into the weekend. Snowageddon headed our way. We'll have our guests. Lubbock Mayor Dan Pope, as well as Lubbock City Councilman Jeff Griffith on. But first, we want to take you into an interview that we did with Chris Beard, the Texas Tech basketball coach. I think my leading candidate for West Texican of the year, and I do think West Texicans and West Texicans as they listen in on the program. As always, broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's best wash five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed RacerWash.com. They say 50% chance that it may snow four to seven inches. And we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, winter Weather Advisory starting up about an hour from now as we broadcast at 5.02 Central Standard Time in the p.m. here from the studios. But want to get you in with our interview with Chris Beard on all things. We talk Lubbock. We talk West Texas. We talk about ingredients to a winning team, DNA strands of coaches that influenced him, and a little Bob Knight speking to that last topic I hope you enjoyed this interview with Chris Beard, friend of Other Side of Texas. Get in with him, and then we'll get in with the mayor and the councilman on all the latest Hub City events. Stick right with us. Texas Tech men's basketball coach, Chris Beard. How are you, coach? Doing good. Glad to be here. I'm, uh, winter's upon us. Students all, uh, all over the place, huh? Athletes with finals and finals getting moved around. Yeah, it's uh, great to be on campus this time of year. You know, certain excitement for the holidays coming up and the break these kids get, mm-hmm. then also kind of the stress and anxiety of finals. So with our basketball team, we're no different. Um, that's why I always had so much respect for student-athletes. You know, our guys are obviously competing in basketball right now, but also they take the student side of things real seriously. So um, in the next uh, four to five guy- days, our guys are in final exams. So today's a great example. Today, instead of practicing at our normal time, which is around 3 o'clock, we're going this evening uh, because several of our players have finals today. Hmm. Tell me, we're big Red Raider fans at the Leeson House, and just tell me, what was it like when Zaire came in and told you that he's out, that he's going to go to the pros? And what did you have to drink after he told you that? Yeah. Well, he didn't come in and tell me because we made that decision together. Um, But really... It was a great moment. You know, it would just be like, um, let's take my daughter, for example. My oldest daughter, Avery's in college at Columbia University in New York City. She has a passion to get into politics. Um, although she goes to school to get that degree, if somebody told her, you know, after one or two years of college, hey, you get the dream, you, here's your dream job. Mm-hmm. Do you want it now? I mean, you've got to do it. Athletics is no different. Um, you go to college to chase your dreams. Certainly, Zaire's dream was to play in the NBA. 
And so when that opportunity presented itself after one year, especially when you're a first-round pick and it's guaranteed money, uh, it was a great day around our program. Obviously, a side is a little bit sad because you wish that you could coach Z more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefits and the positive far outweighed, you know, anything we were thinking about selfishly with us. Yeah. Whenever I had to explain to my nine-year-old twins, who love it, that Zaire was a freshman, and but that he was leaving, they they could hardly believe it, Coach. They said, "No, he's he has to stay there four years." <laughs> I said, "No, this is the real world, guys." Yeah, you know, talking about the thing with Z, even though he's not playing for us right now and scoring baskets and getting rebounds, he's still a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, Zaire's success here individually and our team success while Zaire was on the team has translated into us getting the next level recruits uh, like a Kevin McCuller, uh, like a Ramsey. And so um, Z will always be a part of our program. I talked to him just a couple of days ago. He's actually trying to come back to Lubbock during the NBA All-Star Weekend which is sometime in February. Um, if he doesn't get picked to play in the rookie game or the all-star game or something like that, we've invited him to come back to Lubbock and be a part of our game. Great. Um, if you'd have told me five years ago that I'd have six basketball tickets in the lower bowl, I'd have called you crazy. Um, but what you've done here has been crazy at the same same time. What do you attribute to your success so fast here? Well, I think above all, it's not even close. Uh, you credit the players uh, all the great players we've had here that have bought in, um, that have really turned the program around. It wasn't too many years ago, you know, when this program was just trying to win a game. Um, and I think you got to give Tubby Smith a lot of credit. He's the one that laid the foundation. We came in, inherited some good players. We inherited a program that had a good culture to it, a defensive culture, an unselfish culture. Um, and I think you got to give our staff and the new players credit for kind of getting it to the next level. Um, but when I think of the success of Tech basketball today, I immediately think back to Keenan Evans and Zaire and Zach and those guys that helped lay the foundation for us. Then I think you got to give administration some credit. You know, I mean, coaches come and go, players come and go, but really uh, the vision of the athletic department here, led by Kirby, uh, supported by Tony Hernandez, and ultimately uh, really supported by President Skubanek, you know, is what gives us a chance to build something special. Yeah. And Kirby Hillcutt mentioned you that he had the same feeling, I believe, is the way he put it, about Mountain Wells and that hire. What do you think whenever you hear Kirby Hunkett talk about that, that Chris Beard feeling? Well, I, I heard that as well from several friends, but what's really humbling for me is to be in the same uh, category as Tadlock. You know, Coach Tadlock's mm-hmm. built the kind of program here that we're striving for. Had two World Series in the last three years. He's winning Big 12 championships, so... Um, if people out there think in any small way that, that I'm in the same neighborhood as Coach Tadlock, I'll take it as a huge compliment. Um, but no, we, we, uh, you know, we understand the men's basketball program is one small part of this great university, but we take our small part uh, really seriously uh, with a lot of pride. We, wanna, we don't want to let anybody down. We want to mm-hmm. have a program that everybody can be proud of. Well, uh, 9,500 people at the game on Wednesday night. Uh, that's that says something it, in these pre-conference games 9500 yeah first of all with with that exact figure uh, just very appreciative of our fans you know it starts with our season ticket holders we have about 7000 seats um, that are season ticket holder seats uh, we've also got a student body here of over 30,000 students um, we allot around 4500 seats in our 15000 seat beautiful arena for the students each game 
Um, then our marketing and ticketing promotions people deserve a lot of credit because they're the ones that really push it out there mm-hmm. on a game-by-game game basis to try to have a walk-up crowd and try to have people that aren't season ticket holders and aren't students try to come to each game. So um, to have right at 10,000 people last game in December when people are busy, um, I think speaks volumes for the support that Red Raider Nation gives basketball. On the other hand, we keep pushing forward, and uh, we have expectations where one day it'll be 15,000 people at every game. Some people think I'm crazy when I say things like this, but these are the same people that probably doubted that we could get to the Elite Eight in our second year mm-hmm. and have an NBA first-round pick. So um, it's a fine line, the, the balance between being very thankful and appreciative of what we're doing and what we're building, but also never satisfied, never stop pushing, um, and never stop visualizing and dreaming of a day where we could be one of the elite fans, uh, crowds in college basketball, and simply stay to sell out every game. Yeah. Uh, Coach Chris Beard with us here on the other side of Texas. I wanted to talk about the other side of this particular issue, and that's the city of Lubbock and the symbiotic relationship between Tech Athletics and the city of Lubbock. You know, you got 9,500 people coming out to a game. They probably ate something to go like we did before the game or they stopped at a restaurant after the game folks traveling in and out of town um what do you think about the relationship with the city and how important is that well i think the mayor dan pope and councilman griffith should buy our lunches more i think they should come over here and um you know take us to lunch from time to time for what the program's doing that's a joke um (laughs) my daughters tell me all the time i'm not that funny but um no that's awesome i think uh last year when we were in the hunt for the big 12 championship and certainly had a great march watching uh red raider nation our fans watching the community of lubbock watching west texas in general kind of rally behind our team was special Mm -hmm. um i've got a lot of friends that, that own restaurants or stores or um maybe a bar or two and (laughs) <laughs> Those guys told me, man, it's real. And I said, man, that's humbling. Thank you for saying that. But is it really real? And, then, like, my friends over at the Lantern, you know, said, yeah, man, like, you guys are playing on TV and we're winning. There's more people here than normal. So that's just awesome um, to think about, again, men's basketball, just a small part, but how we can impact uh, all of West Texas. And so, um, you know, as we build the program, I think we all got to do this together. You, you look at the top 10, 15 programs in college basketball, the ones that have been able to sustain success and be consistent it's much more than just a coach or a couple of players. It's a, it's a community. It's a program. It's a commitment. Um, and that's why we remain very optimistic here uh, that while we're in the early stages of building the program, just our third year, uh, we can all visualize a day where we can be really relevant you know, nationally, not, as, not, not just the Big 12. Yeah. Tell me, there's an old legend that Gerald Myers, former athletics director, one of your predecessors in men's basketball, would fly recruits in at night. Of course, that was decades ago. But whenever you're pitching kids on West, well, let's start with you. Whenever Kirby Hillcut reached out to you about this job, you've lived here, you've been here. What do you love about this place? Uh, so many things. I think uh, number one is this is one of the all-time great college towns. And I think even the people in Lubbock, we, we don't understand it. Like, Let's take the Big 12, for instance. There's a lot of great college towns where it be Lawrence or Stillwater or Manhattan but these are small towns uh, these are towns with no airport uh, a lot of them don't even have malls Lubbock we're one of the you know fifth sixth largest city in Texas uh, we have a major airport every restaurant you can think of a big mall um, just about everything you can think of 
On the flip side, you've got the cities like Dallas, Fort Worth, maybe where uh, TCU is at the time, or Chicago where DePaul is, or LA where Cliff is now with USC. <laughs> but these aren't college towns. Um, I know earlier in my career I was coaching at North Texas, and I have a great respect for North Texas and the Mean Green. Loved living in Denton. But it's really, really hard to build uh, a college program somewhere where you also have the Dallas Cowboys, the Stars, the Rangers, mm-hmm. UT Arlington, TCU, SMU, D- uh, Dallas Baptist, on and on and on again. These are major cities. They're not college towns. I've always thought with Lubbock you get the best of both worlds. We're a big city in terms of a million things to do, um, but we're also a one-stop shop in terms of Division One athletics. Um, and our, our friends over at Lubbock Christian, I think, benefit from the same thing. But again, we're the only Division One school in Lubbock, which gives us that pop. Um, but also, we're not a small college town, so recruiting is not difficult. Uh, when we get kids to come here and they understand, man, this is a college town, and there's a lot of cool things to do. Uh, to me, it's one of the best college towns in the country. Have you ever walked down Broadway on a Saturday night? Um, does Kirby listen to this show? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not to the and what's bar- the reaction? Not to the bars, but there's that uh, insomnia cookies there that my daughters love. Oh, sure. And when they come You're to town, blame cookies. And, and when they come to town, <laughs> uh, we'll walk down there. But oh. um, no, great college town. Not only that area where kids hang out, but also the uh, the depot district. Um, a lot of my uh, favorite uh, Texas uh, red dirt country guys go down there to the Blue Light, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple friends of mine own that. So. Um, then, of course, in Southwest Lubbock, everything out there with the newer restaurants and the mall and everything. Um, Lubbock's just a great, great place to go to school. It's certainly a great place to coach. And I think everybody would agree it's a great place to live and raise a family as well. Yeah. I still want to see you walk down Broadway one Saturday night. I'd like, I'd like to be there. And I'd like to get offered all the drinks that you'd probably get offered. <laughs> you know, one cool thing we've done is we've got this uh, fantasy camp that we do the first weekend of um, August uh-huh. where – a select group of guys, it's around 35 or 40 guys that come, and basically we give them the experience of what it's like to be a college athlete. We put them on teams. We go through practices, weights. We work really hard. We have meals together. Uh, but at night, we like to get out and spin off a little bit, so it's not quite like it. But, um, but that's kind of the one time of year that we can hit some of those college spots. Yeah. And I ran it through Tony and Kirby, and they understand the fantasy <laughs> camp. So. Um, if you see me at one of those college bars, it's got to be the first weekend of August. That's yeah. the only time it's really relevant. That's fun. Uh, tell me whenever you do get in your truck and you drive around, listen to Travis Tritt or your Red Dirt, where are some your favorite places to go outside of Lubbock in the region itself? Yeah, well, I've always loved uh, West Texas. First, we can just start right here. Um, you know, I, I like to go down to Post. And uh, there's a place called Moose Knuckles where we watch games. They've got one of the best unknown uh, burgers in all of uh, West Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably my top five burger in Texas is at Moose Knuckles and Post. And, of course, there's Holly's, the old-fashioned drive-thru and stuff like that. Um, Spend some time at Allen Henry Lake. Um, Of course, going the other way, I take my daughters to the Caprock State Park near Canyon. Um, Also uh, had some fun in Amarillo from time to time. Then heading over to New Mexico, a lot of friends and uh, the Hobbs area and Artesia and, and that. So I think there's a lot of hidden gems in this part of the state. Uh, then in the summers and spring, we have some time. I've always really liked the Hill Country uh, part of Texas. Got a lot of great Red Raider and Tech fans down there in the, the LBJ area. Uh, Green Hall has been a favorite spot of mine. Um, and so I just I love Texas. It's home for me. Uh, there's nowhere I'd rather be. Randy, my girlfriend, and I, we've taken some great vacations and trips, but we always just keep coming back to I think we have more fun 
than ever just to, when we go to Dallas or Austin or, or right here, stay in town in Lubbock. Um, Texas is a special state. Yeah. Tell me what what coaches make up your coaching DNA. If, if we parcel you apart, what strands would we find? Well, I think it starts with the people that I've worked for, played for, and, and uh, been with. My two high school coaches were uh, instrumental men in my life. Terry Priest and Mike Kuhnstad are both Hall of Fame coaches and did it the right way. Um, while I was in college, I had a chance to work with Coach Tom Penders. Coach was out here a couple weeks mm. ago, actually in Lubbock for really? a couple days. Learned so much from Coach Penders um, about being competitive, about being tough, about believing in yourself and thinking outside the box. Uh, many people forget when he had kind of a national program at Texas, it was in the years of the Southwest Conference yeah. where he didn't benefit from the stage of the Big 12. Uh, my first coaching job, Danny Casper, is simply stated one of the best coaches in college basketball. Might not might not be a household name, um, but at one point was the all-time winningest college coach in Texas. He's currently the head coach at Texas State. A lot of things we do discipline-wise and defensive-wise are from Coach Casper. Uh, other people that really influenced me, Shannon Hayes, whose dad Larry Hayes is the Hall of Fame baseball coach here. I worked with him at Abilene Christian. Shannon was always an outside-the-box thinker offensively and understood how recruiting was the name of the game. Vic Trilly, I worked with at North Texas. Uh, Vic believed the game should be played fast and aggressive, and a lot of things we do today are Vic. Obviously, my association with Coach Knight and Pat is well documented, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, there's no one I'd rather be associated with than Pat and Coach. Uh, the motion offense, the discipline, the commitment to graduating players, uh, you know, second to none. Some of the people that I haven't worked for or, or played for or don't know directly, but I certainly, anything I can get my hands on, Nick Saban-based, I study. Trying to go spend some time with Coach Saban this spring. Uh, had it set up this last year through my agent and through Kirby helping me, but with Zaire going through the draft mm -hmm. and having knee surgery myself, it just kind of wasn't possible. But this year I'm really planning on going to Alabama and trying to spend some time with Coach Saban, somebody I really respect. How did the Duke game come about? Was that – who worked that thing out? Yeah, so when we got the job here at Tech, we basically wanted to upgrade our schedule. Um, we just told, hey, we'll play anyone in the country, especially if they'll come to Lubbock. Um, as we've had some success, it gets more difficult to get home games. Uh, you know, people just don't want to come to Lubbock because we've been good. Yeah. Um, but we reached out to all these people, just begging them to play. Uh, so much respect for Coach K at Duke because they've agreed to play us. And it's a huge compliment for our program that he would play us. Because in these non-conference games, especially neutral site like a Madison Square Garden, which, by the way, won't be very neutral. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of Duke people there as well as Red Raiders, but a lot of Duke people. Yeah. Um, you know, He's just not going to play people that he doesn't think are good. And so for him to agree to play us uh, was, I thought, a huge compliment to our team. Now, ask me about 30 minutes into the game how I feel about <laughs> it. I'm not sure. Um, I'll text you at halftime. <laughs> but no matter, what ha no matter what happens in the game, it's like this, man. If, if you're ever going to win the fight, you got to get in the fight. You know, yeah. you can't win the fight sitting at a sports bar watching it on TV. You can't win the fight in the stands talking about it. To win the fight, you got to get out there and you got to get your hands dirty and you got to yeah. fight. And so, just uh, to be able to start playing teams like Duke, um, like a Memphis that we played earlier, a USC and Nebraska last year in Auburn, uh, these are the people that we want to play every year. So, we're looking forward to the opportunity to play Duke. I don't know if I'm looking forward to coaching against lottery picks and Hall of Fame coach. Uh, but it's a big day for our program. Much more important than winning or losing the game is getting ourselves to that stage mm -hmm. where we have a chance to compete. Yeah. Coach Knight, I did an event with Coach Knight. This will close out here. But I did an event with him back in 2002, and I really 
got around him and close with him at that time. And the first thing that strikes me with Coach Knight was just how tall he was and how he gritted his lower teeth all the way down over the years. Um, but I was on the phone with him, and I kept on calling him sir, sir. And he said, the only people you call sir are sergeants and a-holes, and I'm not either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell me a Coach Knight story that you love to tell. Oh, there's so many. Um, just thinking about Coach the other day because somebody asked what I learned maybe most from him. And certainly basketball-wise, his DNA is all over our teams. Um, defensively, preparation, film study, uh, the way we try to get better each each game. Um, and I, every time I talk about Coach, I'm really talking about Pat, too, somebody I learned a lot from, mm -hmm. still have a great friendship with today. Um, but Coach was just the best uh, – you know, one story I'll say, I haven't told this one in a long time, but my first year working for him, you know, Coach was so gracious to the people that worked for him and with him. It's the untold stories of Bob Knight that people don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I think what sells is the controversy and this and that. Yeah, you, right. you could find controversy in any person's life, mine included. But Coach was very giving uh, with his time, with his money. And that first uh, year I worked for him, we'd play that last game before Christmas. I think it was December 19, 20, 21 in that area. And, uh, that's when Coach gave me an envelope, and I, I still have the envelope today in a box. It's just a simple white envelope. It wasn't a Texas Tech envelope. And it just said, Merry Christmas, Chris. And it was in Coach's handwriting, too. So I got it. And just like when someone else gives you something, it's not kind of like um, politically correct or whatever to open it in front of them. Yeah. So I put it in my pocket, and I got out of town. I was actually driving to Houston as quick as I could to be with my family at Christmas. Um wasn't until I got to uh, post, actually. Here we go, talking about post again. <laughs> um, pulled in there to get some gas, and while the gas was pumping, reached in my pocket and opened the envelope. And Coach gave me, you know, basically just a large sum of money, uh, mm. which I'm not going to say what it was, but I, it was a lot of money. You know, I'd been a junior college coach, and I was in a little bit of debt when I got here. Um, wasn't just making tremendous money at the time when I was here because basketball is a little different then. Uh, but it was money that was really needed and appreciated. And, I remember I called back to the office on my cell phone, and I, and I knew the coach would still be downstairs watching film because the game had only been over about an hour. And he answered, and he answered, I thanked him. Coach, thank you very much. And he, his exact words, oh, Chris, you deserve that. Thank you. So uh, and he basically kind of hung up on me because he was watching film. Uh, <laughs> a couple of days later, I didn't, when I got back to Lubbock in the new year, I, I didn't think that I'd really had the chance to appropriately thank him again. So one time I'd had a lot of just one-on-one -on -one moments with Coach, and they're always random. But this time it was the locker room one day after practice. Coach was still in there finishing up watching film. I was getting out of the shower, I think, and heading, heading to the office. So I, it was just me and Coach one-on-one -on -one in the office. And I thanked him again. I said, Coach, I just want to thank you again for that check you gave me at Christmas. And now he kind of looked at me. He's halfway starting to get a little pissed off. He said, Chris, you've already thanked me. <laughs> he goes, I, I really don't want to hear any thank you again. But it's, but it's just the Bob Knight that I knew. Uh, on one hand, gracious, generous, took care of the people that tried to take care of him. But on the other hand, you know, to the point, um, you know, a guy that didn't have to repeat himself. So if he told you something one time, it was going to happen. He always kept his word. Uh, he's just a special person to me. and um, People ask me all the time about my relationship with Coach now. We don't talk all the time or every day, but I think more than anything it's just respect. Um, and I hope that in some small way when Karen and Coach watch our teams play, they see the unselfishness, they see the defense, they see the commitment. I hope they know that we're graduating every player. Uh, to me, that's the best way I could ever thank Coach for everything he's done for me is for our teams to represent uh, him in some small way. Yeah. Whenever I told him, 
whenever he told me to not call him sir, of course my response was, yes, sir. Right. He right. said, you're just a West Texas boy with good manners, but stop calling me sir. People always get on me for saying yes, ma'am and stuff, and I, <laughs> and I, I think it's, it's my mom's fault, you know, because yeah. it was the way I was raised. If I didn't do that, then I, I would be picking myself off the ground. But, um, but yeah, it's funny as, as you get older – and then when people start saying yes, sir, to you, you know, kind of like I was in the elevator just the other day here at the arena with a couple of kids, and when the tech students call me sir, it's, you know, it kind of kind of pisses me <laughs> off because I don't, I don't feel that much older yeah. than them. I guess I am. But, yeah, it's weird. Um, Midlife is weird. But yeah, getting older, it's always you're on both ends of it. Yeah. Uh, so I understand what you're yeah. saying. Well, we understand what you're throwing down, Coach, and we certainly appreciate it and appreciate you making time to come on the show with us. Can I, do I have time to mention yeah. the next game? So let's talk about. We've that. got a, a two game two game homestand here before Christmas that we're really looking forward to. Next Wednesday, um, we'll play in in our arena against Northwestern State. It'll be six thirty p.m. tip. It's a big game. Anybody listening out there, we sure would appreciate your attendance. You know, our students are done with finals at that time, and it's always a game that we try to have a good crowd for. And then next Saturday. Uh, which will be December 15th. This is the game we've all been looking forward to. It's the throwback game, the last basketball game ever in the old uh, Municipal Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, uh, we're we playing a really good Abilene Christian team. It's probably going to be 10-1, maybe even receiving votes in the top 25. It's the best team wow. ACU's had in a long time. They're coming in. Uh, we're going to have two high school games before our game that day. Friendship and Cooper are playing varsity basketball, both on the girls' side and the boys' side before our game. We've got former players like Tony Batie coming back in town, former coaches like Coach Myers. Uh, it's just going to be a really cool day in Lubbock to celebrate basketball into one last final time play in the old Coliseum. So we've got some great uh, marketing ticketing. I think right now you can even get a general admission ticket for $5 to that game. We're going throwback concession stand prices at that game. Wow. So you better feed your family for about a buck fifty, hopefully. <laughs> um, but we we sure are calling on Red Raider Nation. Yeah. Saturday, December fifteenth, last game ever uh, in the old Coliseum, six thirty tip against ACU. I'll get some tickets on my way out, Coach. Awesome. Yeah, um, and I do get in trouble. I got in trouble on Wednesday night because I shut the show off. Show runs five to six p.m. and I left the show early on Wednesday night to go home and get the kids right. and come up here. And I got a lot of flack from people at the game. Like, we want to list a show on the way to the game, but where were you? I was, like, I was coming to the game. So I'm going to start pre-recording my Wednesday shows. Yeah, or, or we got to get you some live broadcasts, maybe up on the concourse. Okay. And then you get there even earlier. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think as we build the program and crowds get bigger, it's just everybody kind of having a responsibility to, to do things a little different. I know change is hard. It's like last year when we changed our parking Change is hard, uh, but change is necessary if you're going to grow, and we certainly want to grow our program to championship level. But, you know, the days of like 7 o'clock tip, you know, I'm a Tech basketball fan. I watch half a Wheel of Fortune. I grab one last beer. I get in the car about 6.55, and I make it to tip. Um, those days are over because yeah. with the big crowds, you know, you, just asking people to get here early. Um, in return, we've done some things. The concession stands are open early. Uh, we're selling beer uh, at the games now in the uh, red zone up, upstairs, and there's talk about maybe selling beer at some point all over the uh, arena. But, um, you know, the band's getting there early. we got the music going early. So if fans can just maybe try to get to the game a little bit earlier than they have in the past, that's a big step as we try to build the program. I did uh, went to seminary in Kentucky, and I tell you what, it was in Wilmore, so it's just south of Lexington. 
on game days, you better get to the grocery store or get whatever you need. It's almost like a snow event is right. coming. Everything shuts down. <laughs> All the businesses shut down. So maybe you'll get there, Coach. Yeah, we're hoping so. But thanks for having me on. Yeah. I just uh, never take for granted the chance to talk to the people out there that care about our program or if anybody's listening that maybe hasn't seen our team play, I, I beg you to come watch us play. If you're not satisfied uh, with what you saw, come by the office and I'll personally refund your money. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Hey, we're going to get in. I got Mayor Dan Pope. I gave him no warning right there. And Jeff Griffith in studio. You're going to hear straight from them right here after this break and uh, get in with the relationship of Texas Tech Athletics and the city. Lots of goodness coming up. Stick right with us here on the other side. All the stars up in the sky. Gentlemen, thanks for making time right before the snow apocalypse. Cheers. Good to be here. Appreciate Good evening. You coming yeah. in. Uh, yeah. Dan Pope, you just listened to uh, that interview with Chris Beard and your thoughts on the importance as mayor of successful Texas Tech athletics. I, again, in the interview, I said to Chris Beard, I couldn't imagine five years ago somebody would have said to me, I would have six lower bowl tickets to Texas Tech basketball. I would call them crazy. Yeah. But now you've got almost 10,000 people turning out. Yeah, for Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yes. On a, on a Wednesday night. Yeah. What's yeah. that mean to loving I mean, citizens? It means, a, it means on a lot of levels it, it's it's significant. First of all, Chris is a the, – the Mayor Pro Tem and I have had a long relationship with Chris. We consider him a friend. We knew him when he was here before, and he was my neighbor, lived down the street. Um He's done a great job, but but tech the tech athletics tech in general, but tech athletics in particular, uh, we like to win. It, it just just start with how we feel about winners. I mean, it makes everybody feel better. I mean, you you can it's a, there's a difference on a on a Monday morning after we win a big football game on a Sunday morning or Sunday morning. Talk anyway, to preachers, preachers for sure, and, and when you, we yeah. lose, yeah, and and so. Uh, that you know, from that perspective, it just makes us feel better. People want to win. People want to cheer for a winner. That's uh, that's why we all grew up as Cowboy fans because the Cowboys that we we grew up with were you know Don Meredith and Roger Staubach, and they were they were winners. They were good people and they were good on the field. You know, Don had a little fun, but anyway. Um, that, but the economic impact is is uh, is just uh, it's remarkable. You talk to your your retailers like my friend the Mayor Pro Tem and. Uh, the folks that own uh, restaurants and the hoteliers, uh, tech athletics is a big deal. Yeah, uh, it's uh, that's why you hear so much, you know, grief about 11 a.m. football game starts. Mm-hmm. That's 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 probably the the most difficult for our for a lot of our retailers, and you know, TV is king in that regard. But uh, we we are a, uh, we you know when in 1923 when. When they uh, announced that Tech, Texas Tech was going to be based in Lubbock, or this West Texas University was going to come to Lubbock, there were less than seven thousand residents in Lubbock. Today we're two hundred sixty-two thousand. Uh, we've grown with Tech. Uh, it's uh, uh, that relationship uh, works both ways. It's uh, uh, and it's one that uh, we work pretty hard at uh, uh, trying to maintain. It helps us, you know, take it a step further. Uh, uh, 
my wife is a, is not a sports fan, but she was laughing the other day about University of Central Florida. She goes, you know, I only, only heard of them probably 18 months ago, but now I hear about them everywhere. Well, I would argue that the front door to a lot of large state universities is the athletic program. Yeah, she only heard of them. That's right, and and sport. and it's a huge university, mm-hmm. much larger than you know. From a, it's a much more of a commuter kind of school in a in a big part of Florida, but uh, it's a what we do athletically uh, has a has a lot to attracting kids to come to Texas Tech, and once we get them here, then we're gonna uh, we're gonna make sure they graduate and, and turn them into greater. Um, Great Red Raiders, and we hope a lot of them will stay here for good jobs and raise families here. Yeah, and you mentioned we're interviewing for interns in the spring, and so I went to a, a Tech MassCom job fair. And to your point, Mayor, whenever you, I'll I'll see kids whose resume says like the Upper Midwest, yeah. I'm like, well, did your parents, grandparents, go to school here, or you know, did Dad move away? to marry mom and wound up staying gain a son-in-law that sort of thing no I said so how'd you wind up here texas versus tech 2008 hmm. that's when i knew i wanted to be here wow. so how many kids did we get based on that elite eight run last year i, I hope about a, a, a bunch i know we're on the radar screen you can see the kids you can see the students the way they've responded even in in the uh, you know sort of the non-conference schedule you can see the way they've responded to tech basketball and chris I mean, chris is a consummate salesman he's he uh he works it awful hard anywhere two or more are gathered he's going to be there and, and uh, uh he truly does and, and you, know, you heard him talk about on the interview about if you're not not satisfied come out of the office i'll pay you back you know, i'll yeah. reimburse you for the tickets that's the kind of guy yeah, he is that's going to yeah. be the lead in that interview whenever i write about it i think it should be a cash, yeah. a cash back offer there uh we have dan pope and uh Jeff Griffith in studio with us. Let's talk about growth for just a second, Mr. Mayor. We know that you got to take off in a couple of minutes, and Griffith, you chime in as you're able. Um, growth in the 2040 plan. Give listeners an idea, listeners in Lubbock, those who've lived here, listen to the podcast throughout the state. Um, give us an idea what 2040 is, and then let's get into a couple of specifics with it. Well, we're two. We're two hundred sixty-two thousand today. If you if you look back for this from this for this decade, Jay, uh, we're growing at about one point eight percent a year population-wise. Now that's not Nebronfels or Denton. Thank goodness we say we're quick to say, but that's about fifty percent faster than we've grown over the last fifty years. If you go back to nineteen seventy, our historical growth rate has been about one point two percent population. So there's quite a bit of growth in our community. It's growth that uh, actually population growth lags the growth in sales tax collections. It, it lags the, uh, the the growth in our gross domestic product. It it lags percentage wise the growth in job uh, jobs that are being created. We've created uh, net new jobs in the last four years, uh, north of ten thousand two hundred net net new jobs. I mean, it's uh, you know not, not you know we're that. That takes out those that go away. It's uh, and 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 our unemployment rate has stayed steady right around three percent. Uh, so, when we look at growth, there's some there's a projection in the in the in the comprehensive plan that says in 2028 we'll be about uh, 320 326. It's, it's I think so roughly 1.8 times 262. Uh, yeah. It's roughly 4,500 5,000 people a year. 
Yeah, so it's um, uh, it's uh, yeah, it is. It's 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 getting close to uh, um, uh, it's it's uh, it's getting close to um, what a hundred people a hundred people a week. Is that is that we're getting cl- close to something like that? Maybe seventy five yeah, people a week. Yeah. So, yeah, they say a thousand people a day move to Texas. Roughly right, mm-hmm. and we're starting to get a little more of our share of that. So it's a uh, it's good. It's a, but it was really forward thinking to go ahead and put out a twenty forty plan, in the midst of this growth. I would argue that it's ten years late. But go ahead. Well, we would we probably would agree with you. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, the a plan is important to determine not just how you're going to evolve, but it truly is needed. Uh, both the mayor and I sit on the uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is the transportation needs for this metro area. Uh, county judge, county commissioner, dot officials also sit on that panel. Uh, mayor of Wolfers. Wolfers. Yep, and uh, city bus official. The, the bottom line is that 2044, the dot data shows, Jay, that will be 399,000. In wow. this metro area, so God, we our our needs for generally the county, I think, is what that is. The, yeah, that it's right? the yeah. whole yeah, which inclusive of Wolferth and yeah. uh, this, but our transportation needs, we've got to address that. Uh, there's a reason, and no offense, I, you know, when we say we don't want to be Austin, we want to be Lubbock, but the bottom line is we no are Mopec. we are the we are the capital of West Texas. And we are going to uh, our our plan is to ensure great transportation for our citizens and the continued growth. Maybe we're the capital of the other side of Texas. <laughs> I always call us the rural metropolis. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we got that from you. Yeah. Well, we'll just borrow off of each other. Uh, tell me a little bit about transport. I know within the plan, I'm going to talk with Griffith here in a minute about impact on. Um, new developments, new builds, and what share that developers will have in transportation. But with you, with our remaining minutes here with you, Mayor Pope, tell us about a couple of parts. I know that there's a – talk to me about Northeast Lubbock. Northeast Lubbock, you heard from in the council meeting, concerns there. What In a 2040 plan, what does Northeast Lubbock look like? Well, I think uh, there's – all the communities addressed in the plan, first and mm-hmm. foremost. But there's, I think, specific um, uh, attention paid to North and East Lubbock, and, and some, I would describe the uh, uh, most of that attention along the lines of how we redevelop it, how we uh, try to um, create an environment where business can thrive there, where there'll be investment there, whether it be uh, new rooftops or restaurants or retail stores. Um, you know, we, we heard a lot of uh, feedback last night about um, some environmental issues, um, air quality mainly type issues. With industrial businesses. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and those, we, we talked about it. I, I commented some after, during, after all the public comment, but we, we don't have a, an air quality responsibility at the city. That's a state and a federal responsibility. Yeah. Now, certainly we would work with our citizens to make sure that, that people, are, that those agencies are responsive 
but we're going to stay in our light, our lane when it comes to that. There were other issues. Uh, public transportation is, I think, a real good one uh, that were, was brought up. We we uh, we could be better at public transportation. We we we've we've got 136 square miles to cover with public transportation. Uh, it's for a community of 260,000 spread out like that. It's those there's it's fraught with challenges yeah. and and. And some of our challenge, the biggest challenges are sort of that first mile, last mile. So how do you, how do we get you to the the place where the bus is going to come by and pick you up? And how do we get you back to your home af- after that? So we've been, we're looking at some hybrid kind of models. We were in, we spent time uh, four or five weeks ago in, in Arlington looking at what they're doing with sort of an Uber style uh, transportation, uh, public transportation system. That doesn't work for us because they were unique. They didn't have a, a public transit system, but I think there may be some things are, that we can bring that we can take away from that. We heard some concerns about uh, about hunger and you know uh, f- the food insecure last night. I think we, we listened to that. I think we we've, we've got an opportunity. In fact, I'm leaving here in a minute to go to the You Can f- uh, Share Food Drive, and uh, you know the South Plains Food Bank's a fabulous partner for this community and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have the ability to work with them and other social service agencies to make sure that people can get access to that to that food. But uh, we 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 like the fact that it, uh, this has been an eighteen month process with lots of citizens involved, and we're going to have a plan. You know, Lubbock's been doing planning like this since the forties, and it, it was our heritage for many years. For whatever reason, we uh, didn't do it for a couple decades and. So we're back to that now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, my background as, as, a, as a small business guy, as an entrepreneur, is, is that idea that, you know, um, you'll never know, um, uh, you'll, you'll never know when you, when you get there if you, if you're not planning for what there is. Yeah. I mean, we, it's, 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 and you're always, it's not a, it's not in concrete. We talked about a lot about the fact that it's dynamic and it's a living document. And we'll, uh, we already promised folks last night that, with our second meeting in December of next year, we'll do a one-year look-in on the plan. We'll probably have a group of citizens, some that were involved in the process, some that weren't, that very well may be an advisory group for us. It'll give do us I some, get to be on there? You very well could. Okay. Throw your hat in the very, ring. Very well I throw could. Your, throw your hat in the ring. So that, that, that would be my, those would be my comments about it. Okay, so real quick before you get out of here. Sure. We're expecting between one and four inches of snow. What kind of planning goes in, Mayor? to a week so have you already got the you already got the front loaders rented out ready to go we're ready or? yeah we're ready in fact we were up so we aren't going to see we were up this Goliath part two here we we activated the uh no next simple answer we activated the emergency operations center uh this morning we stood crew uh, crews up yesterday afternoon we uh we're ready We'll go back. Uh, the emergency operations center will go back up tonight at, at eight. I saw the salt trucks out earlier. They're already out. We're out. Um, we did a, a tabletop exercise about a month ago uh, at the emergency operations center, where National Weather Service, our folks, uh, the uh, health, uh, the hospitals, um, the te- uh, uh, DPS, they're all there, and it was a you know, it was sort of a. It was a Goliath plus plus. I mean, we, we they threw a lot of curveballs at them to see how we would react. So you got public service there. You got Parks and Rec. You got streets. You have the 
LPNL. I mean, you know, one of the things that comes on with, with a big ice storm, which it looks like we've avoided here, thank goodness, is is what happens to power and, and, and then if what if you had the wrong if you lost power at places like your hospitals or with the generator service or if you lost power at the airport. Um some of those scenarios are things that we work through. It's a, yeah. it, it, it may sound a little bit uh, to the extreme, but you've got to plan for that. And I, I really applaud, and I think that Mayor Pro Tem would, I would applaud the city manager. He's, a, yeah. he's, if nothing else, not a planner. Jared, and, I mean, he has to be rolling his eyes saying four inches. That's small ball. Because he's <laughs> from, he worked in Amarillo. He did. He's, he's had yeah. to deal with He grew with up in the panhandle. Real snow drifts. He grew up in the panhandle, went to Got his graduate degree here, but cut his teeth in city city management in the in the Panhandle. No, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Mayor. Appreciate you. Hey, Mayor, if I don't get back out here, Merry Christmas to you. Well, we'll try to get you. You know, out next to out Ted here. Mitchell, and you have the best. You may have the best hair in Lubbock. Okay. I have, I, and you were there on Saturday when they turned around and said somebody on the plane yeah. said, "Are you Jay Leeson?" No, I, yeah. I, I heard him say that. He's he told me that story before he told you that story. I've I've, uh, I've got that going for or against me. I'm not sure. Uh, we're going to get in with second best hair. The mayor pro Tim and I don't I, have that problem. <laughs> Y'all are out on that one. Appreciate you coming in, Mayor. We're getting in with uh, City Councilman Jeff Griffith. Always good on the other side microphone here, and we'll be back with you about 90 seconds from now. And now it's uh, down to two. Started with Chris Beard and Mayor Dan Pope and Pro Tim, Mayor Pro Tim, City Councilman Jeff Griffith, my city councilman here in Lubbock. And now it's just me and Griffith. Uh, Griffith, I appreciate you sticking around with us. You're down, you're down to the third batter. The cleanup hitter. <laughs> How about that? Uh, so, Griffith, listen, a lot. You are in Central Lubbock. That's where your district is. Yes, sir. A lot of people call it Central Lubbock. Stretches out to what some might call South by Southwest. No South pun, Plains Mall. No, no pun intended. I yeah. understand. Uh, kind of a weird drawn district. But the most of it in Central Lubbock. I was just talking with, and we were talking with, I should say, uh, Mayor Dan Pope. But when it struck my eye in the 2040 plan was plans for revitalization of older neighborhoods, uh, Central Lubbock. Uh, why is that important? Neighborhoods are very important. I mean, that's a big part of this plan. I applaud the work that our CPAC committee uh, did for 18 months. I mean, uh, listeners need to know wait, that, wait, I mean. Tell them what eight, CPAC is. I apologize. This is, it was a 30, 32, 33 person, we, uh, city council appointed committee to do this future city planning. And we call it Plan 2040, as we were, as the mayor and you were speaking about earlier. But it, then the, it's not just about we we mentioned it, the infrastructure component with streets, highways, but we also talk about new developments, how we change our infrastructure to fit that, 
how it's paid for, which is something new to the city and the development community here. But a big part of what we're talking about is taking care of what we have. And the existing neighborhoods, especially in my district, uh, I'd also, uh, I mean, all six districts uh, from the city council in Lubbock, we all have older neighborhoods, actually. Uh, But you're different in that yours is landlocked. Absolutely. I'm the only one that's totally landlocked. It's the The smallest. The others have capability of growing out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we still want growth all all the way around Lubbock. And it's been concentrated, as everyone knows, to the south, southwest. And I think you're going to see more to the northwest as as we go forward. But we want... You've got to take care of neighborhoods or you'd lose uh, great neighborhoods. We've got some great, what I call inside-the-loop neighborhoods uh, that are older, older homes. There's some that need... We have plans in uh, the north and east. We've got a. We actually spend dollars already on homeowner occupied residences. We have uh, funding to aid those folks in certain corridors in the north and east side, and uh, that's working well. We revitalized uh, approximately twenty five homes last year. We use oil and gas revenue that the city gets, royalties, if you will, to fund those pro- that program. We also, Jay, are uh, in that same area. We are using dollars to, and we've spent about a million three on this, and it's not enough because we have approximately 54 miles of unpaved streets inside the city limits. That's unacceptable, and some developments were allowed to do that in the past, and for whatever reason, didn't get done. Over decades, we're talking about since the 50s. So we're going back in as uh, where they're more populated and needed, and we are we've got plans to pave some of these residential streets. My understanding, you're going to back off of in newer areas. You're going to back off of seven lane runways. <laughs> And go down to five. Absolutely. Five lanes. That, that is the the committee's recommendation, uh, planning and zoning's recommendation, that, that commission, so that uh, that's really, we feel like, and what we're going to do is probably make, uh, this was talked about last night at the council meeting, we'll have larger intersections. So you'll, it'll kind of, it'll wide, it, you'll get a bigger intersection. So, so it's going to spread out. seven lanes on two left-hand turning lanes, a right lane. You may end up with, uh, in that way, uh, access and public safety through a bigger intersection is better. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the way a lot of cities are doing it now and highly recommended that we go this route futuristically. Yeah. Obviously, we'll change older intersections to that. This would be new development. So talk to me about one one complaint you hear from the maintain what we have crowd, take care of what we have crowd. And to be honest, I'm, I'm part of that crowd, you know. And um, but So let me rephrase. One complaint we have is that there are folks who are not... Um, we feel like developers need to pay their fair share for 
cross streets for the Bostons, the Flints, the Garys, those sorts of streets in Lubbock. Not the Mains, not University, Indiana, Quaker, but some of those more uh, traveled cross streets, side streets. What, what, what's the word I'm looking feeders. for? Feeders. I guess feeders, yeah. The Flints. Um, that developers, if they're going to put in developments, then that needs to be paid for and not on the backs of whatever projects we need done on a 50th street or a 19th or uh, maybe not 19th. Indiana Quaker, yeah. Indiana Quaker slide. Second, yeah. University. The, and, but they uh, are going to start paying for that. Well, they pay in, in the new world, they pay for that already inside that development. If they have a new development, Okay. what, uh, the Quaker slide, those type, Indiana, those type of major thoroughfares, where the city used to pay a bigger part, what the committee is recommending that we start a study on and implement, it'll take two to three years before this happens. Developers Council, West Texas Home Builder Association, is apprised of this and been a big part of it and part of the discussion, and I applaud their input on this, is that they should be paying more of those infrastructure costs mm-hmm. for those develop future developments. And that gives us breathing room, more breathing room, I should say, Jay, for taking care of older neighborhoods. The It makes your lot cost a little higher on new developments. At the same time, uh, those people who are buying those lots get that new infrastructure too. Yeah. So this is you're kind of paying for where where you live if you will instead of older neighborhoods paying for new development yeah a couple more minutes here councilman griffith mayor pro tem excuse me (laughs) uh what's something else that you think listeners need to hear on plan 2040 that this is and, and the mayor uh he spoke briefly about this but i'd like to bring it up again it was brought up by the our uh, one of our planning and zoning commissioners. It was talked about in the committee for m- it, many meetings over the past 18 months. Jay, that is that this is a living document. It will change. Market conditions, uh, growth can change your your path, as as we know. Uh, it's everyday life for all of us, uh, personally business but the point is that uh, it gives us a really good plan and efficiency and and what our goals are the important things you know we're lucky we're so blessed on water excuse me we're so blessed on water and our water plan and we've got a new water plan that uh, uh, update in January but we're so blessed that we have the water we have and but to continue to conserve is important um to take care of older neighborhoods is important to look for new development is important to analyze parks and how you do parks in the future is important so there's many aspects of this that um we need to really, and, and to the mayor's point, a year from now, we'll probably have citizens 
on a committee, group that comes back and analyzes, are we following the plan? Do we need to deviate the plan? And I'm going to be on that committee. You you I, I, you know what? He you said mean throw my hat in. He said throw your hat I, in. I'm, I'm telling you, throw your throw your big, Mr. Leeson, throw your big hat okay. in. I'll throw my Flint boot and hat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, uh, Councilman, thank you for making time. My pleasure. And uh, have a great everybody. Have a safe weekend. And uh, folks, please be careful. Uh, it looks like it's not going to be as dramatic of a weather incident. But uh, everybody, please take your time. Drive safe. Yeah. I hope you have those all-terrain tires. Uh, hey, listen, I'm going to get home. Got to get home. It's movie night, Friday nights or movie nights at the uh, Leeson Ponderosa. Uh, above average dinner tonight, I think, because we're going to be doing the pizza and uh, a great family. Hope you got the same going for you. Going to light a little fire and get ready for some West Texas winter. Until next time, next week, we got... Scott Braddock. We got Lawrence Skubanek, president of Texas Tech University. Uh, Ross Ramsey, as always. We're going to get Brandon Darby in here. You're going to hear, I spared you this. I spared you this, Mayor Pro Tem, as well as the mayor and Chris Beard. John Sharp on the cell phone in the calling of the program. <clears throat> not not John Sharp, but almost John Sharp on the cell phone. And uh, talk about some what do you got. Appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time, next edition of Other Side of Texas.